Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Money Mentors Podcast. My name is Nathan Learin and with my co-host Glenn Fairburn and we're both advisors and directors of Hewison Private Wealth. Uh, it's the eve of the federal election. This weekend, um, we're going to the polls to vote. So Glenn and I thought we'd, it'd be timely to have a, a quick chat about uh, some key some key things to think about going going into the election. Hope you enjoy. Welcome everyone to the Money Mentors podcast. Um, today, the uh, it's, it's the 17th of May, we're on the eve of the federal election. Um, there's obviously a lot of discussion in the media about various policies on, on both sides of politics. Um, in previous, previous podcasts, we have spent a little bit of time talking about the four major policy changes that are being proposed um, by the Labor Party, um, and, and they relate to the removal of excess franking credits um, the removal of negative gearing on property, um, the reduction in the capital gains tax discount from 50% down to 25%, um, and, and also a, a minimum rate of tax applied to trust distributions um, at, at 30%. So look, we don't want to spend a lot of time focusing on those because we have, I think, over a number of episodes spoken about those four main policy announcements, which have had a lot of media attention. So what Nathan and I wanted to do today was really just talk about some other policy announcements from both sides of, of government relating in particular to um, superannuation. Um, so, so we'll have a bit of a chat about those um, policies and, and also what our, what our thoughts and, and, and views are. Um, so Nathan, I suppose by way of introduction, was there, was there one particular, just to start, where would you like to kick it off? Oh, maybe we'll start with, there's a handful of things, but we'll start with maybe the contributions. So, uh, so, so the, Labor, the Labor government, oh, well, we'll start with the current state of play, so on non-concessional contributions. So non-concessional, non-concessional contributions are after-tax contributions. Uh, at the moment, under the current framework, $100,000 per financial year can be made and, and you can bring forward two additional financial years uh, if you're under 65, so basically you can get in $100,000 every year or $300,000 if you bring forward. Um, what what the Labor government are looking to do if they if they get, win, win to power and get the policy through is to is just to reduce that cap down to $75,000, so from $100,000 down to $75,000, um, which would also see the bring forward amount reduced down to $225,000. So um, I suppose, Glenn, it just you know, in simple terms, it's it's restricting how much can be put into super. Yeah, um, and I suppose the motivation behind that is to have a situation where individuals have more money invested outside of the superannuation environment, where it's arguably taxed at a higher rate. So I'm sure that there's some sort of tax saving um, that could be realised from this strategy. How how longer term that they're viewing this policy, I suppose is up for debate um, we're not here to sort of play politics but I mean the, the observation that I would make is that for, for me personally it, it, it does become frustrating when we're continually changing the rules around superannuation we're continually changing the rules around um, the ability to contribute to superannuation um, and, and, and I think you know the odd the odd punters getting conflicted messages as well I think with saving for their retirement 
um, because you know we've been told for many many years that obviously with an aging population that you know the ability for as a country for us to provide for uh, the age pension and, and so forth as the population does age and, and the number of working people reduces it's going to be more and more difficult um, so it, it, it does concern me a little bit that it's almost becoming a situation where we're being disincentivized to save for retirement or the ability to save is really being restricted um, I, I think it you know made sense maybe I think it was in 2007 when there was the contribution caps were brought in because obviously back then you could contribute as much as you like to superannuation so I think that look that makes sense because you know there, there has to be a, a limit as to tax-free income um, but going from 100 to 75 I, I just don't know what the long-term implications are um, but for me it, it, it is a little bit frustrating that we're continually tightening the capacity to make contributions to superannuation and just uh further to the ability to make that contrib or those contributions um from previous laws brought in a couple of years ago if your individual member balances are over 1.6 million dollars you you can't make any uh any any additional non-concessional contributions so just bear that in mind um, yeah yeah it's already it has become hard as you mentioned harder and harder to get money into superannuation so probably just my final point point there is the uh the earlier you start planning, the better, really, because yeah, you, know, you are restricted. So, so start putting money in super as early as you can. Basically, I think that's a, that's a really good point because with the caps being reduced, it just it just does mean that you have to start earlier, doesn't it? Yep. Um, now that 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 relates to non-concessional contributions or after-tax funds um, being contributed. There's also a proposal to change the way that um, you can make concessional or sort of pre-tax contributions to superannuation as well. Um, which relate to the catch-up contributions. So yeah, there, there's no change to the uh, the, the threshold of twenty five thousand dollars for concessional or pre-tax contributions. And just to for our listeners that maybe are picking this up that that don't know a lot about this, um, concessional contributions include um, you know your employer mandated contributions. So at nine point five percent for most people, uh, salary sacrifice, uh, or also. You know, basically voluntary contributions now, in which you can claim a tax deduction. So, so pre-tax contributions, so they um, they're taxed at fifteen percent on the way in. So, if your marginal tax rate is higher than fifteen percent, for for a lot of people it is, um, there can be a, t a clear tax incentive to make those these types of contributions. So, Glenn, what you're referring to is the um, the the catch-up concessional contribution. So, um, a new initiative that the the, the Liberal government. Um, brought in that commenced in the current financial year 2018-19 allows individuals with under uh, under the age of 65 and with a balance of under $500,000 to essentially uh, make catch-up concessional contributions. So I'll just quickly explain that. So let's say um, in the current financial year somebody uh, decides to go and travel the world and they, they don't or they have a have a child or take a bit of time off work and they, they make no contributions in the current financial year. That next financial year, they, they may be back at work and have um, available uh, capacity to make uh, a $50,000 contribution. They can effectively do the year they missed and, um, and the current year um, to catch up for a year missed. So it's, it's quite a good initiative. And I think you can go, is it five years? I five think you can years. catch up. So yeah, so you could effectively miss five years of work and, or, or, or contributions and, and catch it all up. So. Yeah. And, and I think, as you were saying, I mean, it does provide the capacity for people who perhaps have a year off for travel but but also i mean from a you know we we keep hearing about the gender imbalances with superannuation balances 
um, in particular, you know, for women who might take a few years off to care for children or whatever it may be. Um, so I think that this policy has been great for them in that they can, you know, maximise what they can contribute when they do re-enter the workforce. So, so it's a, I'm not sure if I said it's a, it's a new policy that the the, the, the coalition brought in, but but Labor will abolish it. La- Labor are looking at abolishing. Yeah, it. so yeah. it'll be it'll be gone basically. Yeah. before it started, almost if, yeah, if Labor get in. Well, it hasn't. I don't think we've even gone through a cycle of that five-year period yet. So it's just starting. Started from one July this yeah. year, and that's yeah. probably. I mean, oh, last year. Sorry, these things happen. You know, either side of politics, where there might be a policy that was recently brought in. I mean, there's there's you know comments are being made about the budget that it's almost not worth the paper that's written on because we've just had a budget and now we're having an election. Um, so look, it, it, once again, it's frustrating when there's changes being made um, and then they just get thrown out. You know, not not even two years later. So. Um, I think I think you, you, yeah definitely agree with what you said about um, you know, in particular women that that take time off to to have children. I mean yeah. that's that they could make good use of this if, if it does stay in uh, of the catch up con- concessional contributions. Um, yeah, be a bit of a shame, wouldn't it? Even families that are, or individuals that are repaying debt, because a lot of the time, you know, if you've got a mortgage or you, you've got children, you know, quite often you can't really maximise what you're contributing to superannuation because you've got other priorities. So the advantage of this strategy has been that, you know, once perhaps the debt's repaid, you can use that as an opportunity to really make those catch-up contributions and and accelerate how much you've got in superannuation. Mm. Uh, what what was sort of the next policy that you thought was um, worth, worthwhile discussing? Yeah, so another one that the that the the Labor government are looking to change is the uh, what's called the uh, Division Two Nine Three tax. So. Uh, basically, this is a um, an additional tax on superannuation in, um, superannuation contributions for higher income earners. So, uh, at the moment, it, it actually used to be three hundred thousand dollars, but it was, it's it's um, been brought down to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I think a, a year or so ago, a year or two ago. So, uh, in a, in a nutshell, uh, anybody that earns over two hundred fifty thousand dollars will have um, will pay an additional fifteen percent tax on super contributions. So. Um, uh, up to thirty percent tax on super contributions. Yeah. So the the the, the Labor government are, um, have, have said that they're going to bring this threshold down even further to two hundred thousand dollars. Two hundred, okay. So it's um, it'll catch a lot more people. There's a lot more people that are you know when it first come in, it was those that earn over three hundred thousand, then to two hundred and fifty, and now two hundred. So it'll catch a lot more people. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's there's also, I mean, for the in the last. I think it was a couple of years ago. This might have even been the first financial year. Um, as far as making deduct or, or pre-tax contribute or tax-effective contributions to superannuation, for a lot of people who are employees, the only way that they've been able to do that historically has been via salary sacrifice contribution. So essentially, you know, you might be getting paid fifty thousand dollars a year, and you go to your employer and say, "Look, instead of paying me fifty, pay me forty, but then I want." 10000 to go into superannuation. And the advantage of that is that that $10,000, instead of it being taxed at, say, 30%, it's only taxed at 15% on the way into super. So, one, you get a tax saving, but you also, probably more importantly, are accumulating additional funds in superannuation. Um, but in or- historically, in order for you to make a personal contribution, so outside of salary sacrifice, if you just wanted to contribute money to superannuation, in order to be able... Um, to claim a deduction for those contributions, um, you had to satisfy what was called the 10% rule, which meant that you had to 
earn other income which exceeded 10% of your total income. So there was that sort of requirement that you had to um, satisfy. Um, but the, the current government removed that condition. So basically what that meant was that in addition to being able to make tax-effective tax contributions via salary sacrifice, anybody could just put money into super from their own funds and claim a deduction for it, um, which just provided additional um, options in order to try and maximise how much was going into superannuation. And I think more importantly, it just removed, removed complexity, didn't it? Yeah, just flexi- that whole 10% flexibility. Rule, people just yeah. didn't understand it. And you could miss it by a very small percentage, which could cost you quite a lot of money. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I, I honestly believe that that was a, a good policy just to remove complexity and provide opportunities for more people um, to contribute. Um, and, and that is a policy um, that the Labor Party has also announced that they'll abolish. Um, did you have any particular views on that? Oh, I just just agree that uh, you know from when, when the when the changes come in one July two thousand seventeen, it just it just made it a hell of a lot easier for people to make contributions. You didn't have to worry about going through your employer. Yeah, you could just say end of the year, I've only made I've only made twenty thousand dollars in concessional contributions. I'll just grab five thousand from here if you had That's it. That's right. And you can just um, you know with your accountant or whatever, you can just complete a form and tend to claim the tax you, deduction. Yeah, it just gives you a lot more control, doesn't it? Because just a lot easier. And now yeah. they're going back to this old 10% rule where it's just a lot more uh, lot, a lot more difficult. You just got to be a bit more prepared and you got to meet the criteria. So yeah. it's a bit, once again, a bit harder to, to get money into super. Because I, I think for a lot of people, it's difficult to make an upfront commitment with regards to salary sacrifice, isn't it? Because you don't know what's going to happen through the year. And, and once that money goes into superannuation, it's locked away. And if you're you know, 40 years old and it can take 20 years before you can access access it. So I think what that um, that policy provided people was just the option to, to just defer until the end of the year and just say, well, look, I'll, you know, I've got a bit of excess money. Let, let's tip that into super and I'll get a deduction for it. Um, so once again, it, it just provided a little bit more flexibility. Uh, just the um, another one, just a, a kind of a little one, the uh, around the super guarantee. So another one that that, that Labor want to a change that Labor wants to make to the current rules. So at the moment, so to basically mandated employer contributions will only kick in um, for an employee that earns over four hundred and fifty dollars in a calendar month. So basically, if you earn four hundred dollars, there's no requirement from the employer to make. Um, an employer superannuation contribution. So, say so Labor have said that they are going to progressively phase the threshold out uh, by 2024, um, which you know, benefits lower income earners. It means that you'll have, say, 9.5% um, super contributions going in, even if you want yeah. a, a lower amount. And I think that makes sense. I mean, I think we're moving to an economy where there's a lot more, um, you know, temporary casual employment. So, I, I think that it's it, it's only fair that. People who fall within that sort of those limits are getting superannuation on their behalf. Um, one, one one announcement that was um, in a document, in a policy document released in January, um, Labor stated that it would look to further uh, remove concessions um, for superannuation balances. So, as of one July last two years ago, there was a cap of one point six million dollars placed on tax-free earnings within superannuation. So once you had a balance in excess of 1.6 million, the 15% tax would apply. Um, Labor stated that it would... If you're in pension phase. Yeah, if if you're in pension phase. Um, So, I mean, prior to that, you could have 
any amount in, in super, it was in pension, it would be exempt from tax. Um, Labor stated that it would like to reduce that cap down to $1.5 million, which sort of aligns with uh, an announcement a few years ago that whether they were looking at um, just putting a, a, almost a dollar figure on, on tax-free earnings at $75,000. So um, that, that's just another announcement. It hasn't had a lot of coverage. No, it hasn't. No. Um, but... Yeah, f- further reduces, I suppose, the tax effectiveness. Um, well, superannuation will still be tax effective, but just rem- removes or, or minimizes the uh, the level of tax-free earnings. Um, did you have anything to comment on that? I mean, it's, it's a pretty minor sort early of days. adjustment. <laughs> and look, that's a good yeah. point. I mean, this is all very early days, but we're just talking about policy announcements and so forth. And I'm sure we'll have a, in, in conclusion at the end, we'll, we'll, um, we'll look at sort of wrapping everything up and, and, and giving our views. Um, was there anything else that you felt was worthy discussing from a... There's a few changes that the Liberal Party's announced, but mm. was there anything else from the Labor Party that you wanted to chat mm. about? No, nah, look, they're the big ones. I think, yeah, maybe we'll jump into the to the, the Liberals' proposed changes from yeah. the budget. Yeah. And, and I suppose, look, the, the, the main one, uh, or, or one of the probably more simplistic ones, was just raising the age from which people can contribute, um, which at the moment, once you turn 65, you have to be working 40 hours in 30 consecutive days to be eligible to contribute. Um, the Liberal Party's announced that they're proposing to increase that up to 66 years. Yep. Um, so that's pretty pretty straightforward. There's not really a lot to discuss there. Um, I suppose just further... It's a good, it's a good thing. People working working well, people longer People working now. longer. And I think yeah. that... I mean, it, to be honest, it could be higher. I mean, it's 66. I think they're trying to align it perhaps with the age pension age, which has progressively increased yep. over the years. But yeah, I mean, it, it's probably one of those things that we all, we all have views. But I think that as, as the um, demographic evolves and people are working longer, I mean, we see it in our practice with our clients that, you know, the... The um the days where people used to just pull up stumps in sixty five is probably lessening now, isn't it? I mean, people are reverting to part time employment, um, continuing on in, in some sort of full time capacity. Um, so I think they're deserving of the right to uh, to make contributions. Um, did you want to go through any of the other ones, Nathan, relating to the the government? Uh, yeah, so so yeah, liberal um, in in the uh, it wasn't in May. I was going to say May's budget. Whenever it <laughs> when was it March? Um, in, yeah. in the budget they put out this year, they yeah, that was one. And just a subset to that one is the um, the the bring forward rule. You you could you could at the moment you have to be um, under sixty five, or that would you could do that up to sixty six as well. Yeah, uh, as part of that rule you just spoke about, Glenn. Um, uh, just a couple of other. Oh, one other point I had was just increase the uh, age limit for spouse contributions from uh, up to 74 to currently 70. Um, but really, look, to be brutally honest, Liberal did not have a lot in their in their budget in terms of superannuation no. changes. I suppose because they've, they, they made quite a few changes over the last couple of years. Like so t- two years ago, they had those... The, well, the ones that come in two years ago was the big round of changes. But yeah, you're right. Six, yeah. That's, um, I guess, a good thing. They're not tinkering with it too much since then. Yeah. But unfortunately... Um, there may be some more changes to. I mean, we we work in in the superannuation industry, so we like a bit of stability. And when I say unfortunately, you know, there's a whole other raft of changes. We kind of have to come to terms with that a little bit. So, and look, in some ways, it increases the cost of advice for people as well, or managing their affairs, because when there's changes to a system like this, and superannuation, you know, some years ago we had simple super, now it's becoming more complex. 
we want people to be able to have access to affordable advice but when there's continual changes people just continually need to review their affairs um it's hard, so, it's hard to plan for the future when the goalposts keep moving and also give people confidence to contribute I mean, if you're a young person why would you really want i mean we said earlier that it's important to start early but in in, in reality like for, for young people why would they want it when they just see every year the changes mm. that are being made yeah um yeah. so so it's a real challenge so look, I think we might wrap it up there. I suppose in 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 sort of summary, it's all, all we've done is really try to give you an, a, an overall summary as to all the different um, policies that, that have been announced. But as, as before you wrap up, maybe maybe just because it's topical, the big one that came out over the weekend, just about the the the, the property. Did you want to just spend two minutes, maybe just talking yeah, about in regards to what what the uh, little book, yeah, I think it, yeah that probably is worth worthwhile. Yeah, just just because it's quite it's quite topical. Um, so basically, the the, the Liberal Party, um, I think it was over the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, they, it was only last week. They, they come out and said that they're going to help. They they want to help first home buyers. So um, one of the biggest challenges for for individuals to to purchase property is or younger or anybody really, but particularly younger people, is to build a big enough deposit. Um, so in order to avoid paying lenders mortgage insurance um, you need a deposit of 20%. Now lenders mortgage insurance is is an insurance which the borrower pays which basically protects the bank. Mm. So the, uh, the the Liberal government come out and said well if you have over 5% or between 5 and 20% they'll basically underwrite it so to speak so you don't have to pay lenders mortgage insurance. Yeah. Um, look it's I, I don't know how effective it's going to be but it might just give um, you know, people a bit more confidence if they've got a I don't know, a eight percent deposit. Well, I'm going to save on the lenders' mortgage insurance, so you know they might be a bit more willing to go and buy a property. I, I don't know, Glenn, what your views yeah, are. Yeah, look, there. it's a real, it's a real difficult one. Like you still, have, and I'll just add, you still have to service the lo- like you still have to service the loan repayments, and that's the key point. I, yeah. I, I think that what I'd be saying to people is, if you can't save a twenty percent deposit, how do you expect to be able to service a loan which might make up ninety five percent? Of, of your property um I, I i think that i can understand why the government's proposing this obviously to get more buyers in the market but you know in, in previous years we, we've seen how incentives such as you know the first homeowners grant how they play out and obviously they put further pressure on the market um i i, I sort of get a bit a little bit skeptical with trying to manufacture a market and push it's almost like the old subprime situation that resulted in the u.s market collapsing where people were getting loans who couldn't afford it uh, that that's sort of where i'm coming from that i think that if people need to go out and borrow north of 90 percent of the value of their property the question as you were saying they need to ask themselves is am i going to be able to service this loan because it's all good and well saying oh the government's going to underwrite but you still have to come up with the money they're not giving you the money they're just effectively insuring you in the event that it defaults that the bank's protected um, so I, I tend to get a little bit concerned in situations like this where we're, where we're mm. manufacturing a market or manufacturing the capacity for people to, to buy a home. I understand the motivation behind wanting to buy your home, but you also don't want to get into something that you can't afford. Like if you can't save a deposit, as I said, how do you expect to be able to meet mortgage repayments? Yeah. Um, so I think that's a real challenge. There are some you know, restrictions on it. You do you, you can't earn over a certain $125,000 for individuals or $200,000 for couples and um, you know the loan size and things like that. There's a few restrictions. Obviously, it's very early. And, and that's probably further, that's probably further um, 
reasoning as to you know the issues with it in that you're providing it to low income people who maybe have you know difficulties in in saving and servicing debt so i, I just get concerned that we, you almost create this sort of subprime situation the, the labor government have you know straight away come out and backed it as well so it looks like it's going to go through. i'd be very surprised oh, if it's okay. not going to go through because they've come out and backed it um oh look the only thing i can think of is it's i'm just trying to think of I don't know if it should necessarily influence, um, you know, if I was having this discussion with a client, I don't think it should ne- necessarily influence somebody to change their, their view if they, let's say they had a, a 10% deposit or a 20% deposit, but it's, to be honest, it just, it's going to save them a bit of money in LMI insurance. Yeah, That's how I look at it. Yeah, for if sure. If you have under 20%. I, I don't yeah. think it, I, I agree with what you're saying. It shouldn't influence the decision that a person's going to make necessarily because it's, yeah, you've still got to service the loan. That's the key yeah, point. Yeah, yeah definitely. All right, then, well, look, we might wrap it up there. As, as I was saying before, we had a quick discussion about the, the home buyers' um, government assistance. All, all we've spoken about today are, are really just policies. There's nothing that's gone through the Senate or, or become law. Um, it's all really just speculation at the moment. There's a lot of water to go under the bridge. We've seen how difficult it is for governments to pass things through the Senate. Um, but the one thing that we would encourage is post-election, just speak to your advisor about the implications of these policies on your strategy. Um, So look, once again, thank you for listening and we look forward to speaking to you all again next time. Thanks everybody for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, If you enjoy the the content, please do subscribe to the podcast um, via um, any good podcasting app. Um, Once again, please check out our major sponsors website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, So just, just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, thanks again. We'll see you next week.